When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether you spend your days behind a desk, helping customers, or raising kids, if you are called to be a nurse, Loyola University Chicago's Accelerated BSN program helps you answer the call. Our 16-month ABSN program is designed for those who have already earned a non-nursing bachelor's degree. Choose from face-to-face or online formats. Both include hands-on learning in labs and in local healthcare facilities. If your true calling is to make a difference as a nurse, search Loyola University Chicago ABSN today. Fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.com. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. And welcome into the show. Thank you for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on a clairvoyant Thursday on our YouTube channel. Subscribe if you have not done so already. That way you get notified when we have new content available to you. You can also follow the show and stay up to date on the go. When you download us on your favorite podcast app, give us that five-star review. It can really help us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Joined here with my Thursday co-star, Mr. Christopher Dowhauer. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good, Dan. I didn't know the NFL had a preseason game scheduled in week 15 of the NFL. I'm going to see week 14 of the NFL season. <laughs> I was a little confused when I watched the TV on. I was like, um, I thought we ended those, well, like two of those, three of those now. I didn't realize we had them this late in the season. 
Uh, I was, I'm assuming you're you're talking about tonight's game. Well, yes, yeah, so talk about the the exciting Rams game um, and the exciting Raiders game, where I, I probably think I saw most of these Rams players not since the summertime in a preseason yeah. game, um, or at all in Van Jefferson's case, <laughs> and yeah, or at all. And then Raiders seem to just be content playing down to that level as well. So watching Matt Collins become like the superstar of the offense of the Raiders has been quite exciting. I know three end rounds already. The important thing is that if you have Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, uh, you're pretty happy so far throughout this game. So that, that is the one plus side there. And that's pretty much all you've been banking on on the Rams side. Uh, Cam Akers looked good early and then he fumbled. So we'll see what that means in the second half for him and Kyron Williams potentially. But yeah, Baker Mayfield played after the first drive. John Wolford came in to start the game and Baker Mayfield has been in there ever since. If that doesn't tell you the state of the Rams after he only signed two days ago, I don't know what does. So that's what we're dealing with here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty horrible. I mean, we hear about coaches always complaining about making trades in the regular middle season because they don't know players to learn the playbook two days before you sign the quarterback. Yeah, and, and look, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to defend Baker too much because you know, Baker's been horrible this year, but now this is the second time he put himself in a situation where he signs within a week and is getting a job out there. And you're going to look horrible. Let's be real. Like you looked horrible the first week in Carolina, you look horrible this week too, because you don't know what the hell's going on around you. Even if you were great, you'd still suck. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a good way to start off. I do think the games this weekend are going to be a lot better. And it's, it's divisional week. Apparently like every divisional matchup you can think of all week long. So we're probably going to see some weird ones and it'll be interesting when we get in with Chaz Flory tomorrow during the cash from Friday show, uh, what kind of bets we have to get into because divisional games can be weird where you can start leaning one way and get a complete upset. So it'll be interesting to dive into that today. Of course, is the clairvoyant Thursday is the first Thursday all year. We have not had Brian Scott. Now, if you go back to our episode yesterday, the look ahead on other YouTube channel or our podcast app, whichever we went through all the injuries for the week. Cause we knew Brian Scott was not going to be with us here today. If we have any updated news, as we talk about these players, I will mention it that we, as we go through it, but for the most part, we're going to just go through our normal preview show. So our first segment, we got the Ravens against the Steelers. We got the chiefs against the Broncos and we have the bucks against the 49ers. And we only have six games total that we're talking about today. So Chris, we'll be able to get a little more depth and maybe have some fun throughout the show. So everybody hold on to your seatbelts and let's dive in to our obvious starters, obvious starters. Welcome back. Captain obvious. Yes, I am. So our obvious stars at the quarterback position for the slate would be Patrick Mahomes. He comes in my QB four. It's a tough match against Denver. That's why he's not QB two for me. I guess it's, that's the only thing I could really say there. Uh, yeah. Patrick Mahomes, you're playing him. You love him. And that, I don't know if there's much else to say besides that. Do you have anything, Chris? No, I mean, this guy's definitely been a consistent quarterback. You've had in your lineup week in, week out. Even when the Chiefs don't necessarily do what you expect him to do, Patrick Mahomes always has a good floor for you. So this game should be no different. And you still like the ceiling opportunity because let's be real. This team that they're playing against isn't very good. Well, I was going to say the, the good opportunity here is that while it's a tough defense, we know the offense, the Denver Broncos will give them plenty of chances to score throughout the game. Uh, how about Christian McCaffrey? He comes in for me on an RB nine situation. I guess this could be a good time as any to talk a little bit about what we think Brock Purdy and the rest of this offense and what it's going to mean for the rest of your fantasy football season for me, personally, Brock Purdy means two things, really. Uh, Chris McCaffrey has to be the key to win them games, and Debo Samuel's target share is going to go up. 
It might affect Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle in a negative way. Although Kittle, I don't know how much more negative you can really affect him anyway. So that's kind of how I'm looking at this thing. The good news is I think Purdy's better than Sam Ellinger, meaning he's he can do something. Uh, the bad news is he's not Jimmy Garoppolo. So you're going to have to deal with that. I think it's unfortunate for Brandon Ayuk, unfortunate for George Kittle, but for Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, they're going to have to lean on more heavily. But what do you think is going to come out of all of this? Yeah, I think you're going to, you know, if you go back a couple of years, look at some Nick Mullins tape, look at some CJ Bathar tape, yeah, you're going to see something thing. in between that. Uh, I think you're going to see a thing in between. You know, Nick Mullins was able to put up yardage. CJ Bathar definitely struggled, but that puts up yardage as well. Um, I think you're going to see the yards there. So I think, you know, kind of some of the things you saw you know, happening in the Jets and Mike White's case, you're going to see some quick throws. You're going to see a lot of guys getting involved. I don't know if it kills Kittle. I actually, I mean, I feel a little bit different than you do with Kittle. I think it actually might help him because I think that, you know, one of the guys who will look for him consistently is the guys who look rid of the ball quickly. And if you look at Brock Purdy in, when he was in college, he targeted tight end quite often because he doesn't really do great throwing outside the hashes. Um, but I think, you know, the kind of combination of looking at the quick throws and kind of this offense was curtailed in a sense, to almost be for him where Trey Lance was going to have like a dummy down offense that he's going to run this year. So I think in a lot of ways, you're just going to see kind of that offense without some of the running aspect of it. Um, and I think that's where it's going to kind of, you know, as you're pointing out, it's going to have certain guys kind of featured week in, week out. Hopefully we'll pick up on a pattern of that. But I think, you know, the keys to me is that I think, you know, Christian McCaffrey is definitely going to be a valuable guy because he's the check down king of all. He's probably the best player in the backfield. So, you know, yeah, he's well, not like quarterback well, at some point. Exactly. And let's not get confused about what this is. Brock Purdy is a five to seven yards past the line of scrimmage quarterback. That is what he is. And uh, if you, you know, don't get too wrapped up in the national pundits right now talking about, oh, Brock Purdy came in, did an excellent job. Uh, look, he did, a, he did a fine job. The key, like I said, you take away from that is that he's not Sam Ellinger. He is a decent backup. He can actually do something with the ball. So that, that part, like it's not going to go to waste. Like it's not going to be like a Chris McCaffrey turns into Jonathan Taylor and Debo Samuel turns into Michael Pittman when Sam Ellinger taking over. That, I think that's the good news, but let's not get it twisted for what this is. This is a downgrade in a significant way from Jimmy Garoppolo too. So just rein in your ceilings a little bit, but for McCaffrey and Debo, especially I think the volume does go up and it's going to be dependent on them to make plays after the catch. That that is what you're going to be looking for. And I think he can do at least that. The good news is, if you have any of these 49er players, their next three to four matchups are pretty favorable. So that that's the, that's the good news here when you're talking about for this team. Christian McCaffrey, not really worried about him. His ceiling might be affected, but his volume will be fine. He had, I think he had, what, 10, eight targets last week. Uh, and Debo Samuel had 10 targets himself. So you knew at least the ball is going to where you want it to go. Uh, so that's my overall Brock Purdy synopsis, I guess you could say. Uh, anything else you wanted to add? I'm curious to see if the, the you know, the Debo usage continues because that's coming up a pattern where Debo had been used for you know, a few weeks. And this seems to be a 49 MO where they kind of feature that like we saw Kittle a couple weeks ago be featured. So I'm kind of curious, was this Debo's turn? Or is this something, as you're kind of alluding to, is going to be the guy they're looking for more often in the offense now? Well, I, I don't want to get too much into Debo because we are going to talk about him a little bit later. But there is another note about Debo that we have to get into. Uh, moving on, though, my obvious stars are tight ends. Of course, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, one and two. In Andrews' case, he might have just got a boost. In five games with Tyler Huntley, he's had 50 targets in five games with Tyler Huntley, averaging double digits. 
Andrews might have just got a boost, and that's all you really care about because you're not playing Demarcus Robinson. We're not playing Devin Duvernay. In fact, they're, they're probably on my, they are on my be cautious list here. You're playing Mark Andrews, and you probably have more confidence in him now than what we've seen out of Lamar Jackson the last few weeks. Do you agree? I have more confidence in the receivers, period, than I've had in Lamar Jackson the last few weeks because how Hunt will get the people the ball. Now, how far down the field they'll get the ball is going to be a different story. One thing I was very excited about, I talked to the, this on, you know, Belly Up Fantasy Live on Tuesday nights, is that I saw 50% of his passes were outside the hashes. That's something Lamar Jackson has not done this entire season in a game. He's not, he had not attempted percent of his passes outside the hashes. So that kind of shows you how Lamar's kind of narrowed down his field for himself. And you talked about, you know, Andrews' talent and what he can bring into this table. This is how he got Mark Andrews as a discussion of being a tight end number one this year because of the streak he went on to end the season with Todd Huntley last year where it was a phenomenal run. The target share was, you know, unlike, it was almost like St. Brownish. And then you had his guys basically featured week in, week out. And people always kind of associate Mark Andrews with Lamar. That was not the case. This guy, you know, targets him a lot. We always know Greg Roman goes so old familiar when, you know, times get rough. So Mark Andrews, I think, is the, definitely gets the boom in this game. <laughs> All right, let's go to our lock em in players. Lock them in. It's a lock. I'm locking in Najee Harris as an RB16 this week. So there's six teams on by, which already makes this list uh, kind of putrid to begin with. But Najee Harris has, over the last three weeks, gotten back to his normal level of volume, getting 20-plus touches in each of the past three weeks. And frankly, I don't care about the match against the Baltimore Ravens. I will take that all day, every day, to lock him in as an RB2. Totally agree. You know, Now that Najee Harris is healthy, I think that people are seeing the difference and you're getting back to what the numbers you kind of expected to do. The only thing that you're kind of you know, discouraged by is the touchdown potential is still very limited. This offense isn't scoring a whole lot of points. It has kind of the quarter over the last couple of weeks. You know, Pickett's been not turning the ball over, so they're, they're scoring more points as a result of that. Najee hasn't really seen a huge boom on that. So if he can get in the red zone, that'd be awesome. But you love the you know, floor he's providing for you because he's being involved as he always had. Moving on to our wide receivers, Chris Godwin. It still wasn't pretty for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week, but Godwin still got his targets, getting 13 targets there, eight receptions. Was it only 60 yards? Sure. Do you want a touchdown in those instances? Yeah, sure. But he has one hell of a floor, if nothing else, because Tom Brady is only holding on the ball for 1.8 seconds right now, and that is it. So Godwin's just eating it up underneath. Yeah, talk about a guy not throwing outside the hashes. Tom Brady seems locked on that middle of the field, so Chris Godwin is definitely beneficiary of that. Because we do have a little extra time, how do you think this game is going to go? I think we're, we're going to see a lot of check downs between the Bucks and the Warriors in this game, a lot within the five, seven-yard range, I feel like. I was trying to get hyped for this game because, you know, Tom Brady grew up idolizing the 49ers, and there's a lot of rumors that that could be the team he kind of returns and plays for possibly next year. I still don't see that happening, but it's a lot of talk still. I would imagine last time he was in Candlestick, I mean, last time he played San Francisco, he showed out. He played really well. Very different team. Now, the matchup's pretty good for the if he actually throws out the hashes because the secondary is beat for the 49ers. You can spread them out. But as you alluded to, the pass rush is going to be a problem. And if Bosa was getting old, you know, getting to Tua all day, every day, imagine what he's going to do to poor Tom Brady. And that's where I get fearful. Like, this could be really ugly on the flip side where it could just be like, oh, my God. Can any team do anything? Because let's not forget, their base kind of got back on track defensively, especially against the run. You know, you get, they can't stop the pass per se. Their secondary still beat up as, you know, as it is. But against the run, they've gotten back on track, and that's what the 49ers are kind of bread and butter is. So this game could be really ugly. 
It, it could be. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, because the problem with, with Brady on that side is, is without Tristan Wirfs, uh, he has he has no desire to even see if anything develops down the field, and that's affecting a particular player we'll get into a little bit later on in the show. All right, this is where we get into Debo. So I do have him as a lock him in. I do him as a wide receiver 20. Now, part of it, of course, is I do think the volume actually stands in the, is, 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 up, is up for him. With Brock Purdy there, the quarterback position is going to be designed around where he usually is in the field, which is in the, over the middle part of the field and short and making yards after the catch. The other part is that without Elijah Mitchell, it looks like Debo Samuel is going to get back involved into the backfield too to kind of boost his floor a little bit. He had four carries last week. Even though he's not looking physically like he's 100%, he's still getting those touches. So if he's able to get a little bit healthier for this game, at least boost his floor. So he is, I am locking him in as a wide receiver 20 for me this week. Are you on the same boat? I think he's got a good floor, and I think that you're, you're excited about the usage because you're seeing a guy, they have to kind of figure out how they can get you know, yards from anybody right now. I am still kind of concerned, like I talked about earlier in the show, you know, is this going to be a trend that we're going to get back to getting Debo involved week in, week out? Or is Brandon Knight going to be the pass catcher that he has been for the most part? Even when Trey Lance was the quarterback, you saw Brandon Knight be featured as the pass catcher. And I think that's one of the things I kind of talked about earlier was that you're going to see a lot of RPO action because this guy's more mobile than Jimmy Garoppolo is. And you're going to kind of use a lot of the things that you had, you know, Trey Lance's ideas with. And I think he can still going to use some of those passing concepts, which I think I can still kind of benefit for. And I'm curious to see what he fits in there. You kind of alluded to this earlier already. Uh, George Kittle, I do have him as a lock him in tight end. This is more to do with talent, availability, the tight end position. I mean, Chris, after last week, I'm I'm on the bandwagon. I'm making the argument. We got to get rid of the tight end position, period. Just, just turn into a flex. Just turn into a flex. Greg Dolchich can't be like my number one guy because he had five catches for 80 yards. It can't be. That can't be facts. That can't be what it is. It's putrid. It's beyond belief. I cannot sit here and keep looking at tight ends and having to play them, hoping for three or four points, even in full point PPR leagues, because that's how bad it is. George Kittle has a talent. While I might question what his usage may be, I got to lock him as a tight end six. There's no way I'm not going to play him over some of these other names, like the Evan Ingrams and the Pat Fryer moves and the Greg Dolches and the David Jokus and the Foster Moreau's playing now. Like, I'm not going to, there's no way I'm not going to not play him over those guys. What, what do you think about all? No, I, I think, well, I think I definitely agree with you playing Kettle over all those guys this week. And it's a good matchup. You know, Kevin Bay has not been good against tight end. It's something you can take advantage of. And Kittle's bigger than, you know, Winfield and some of the guys they try to match up, might have to match him up with. So I like the kind of, you know, opportunities, especially in the red zone. Um, but I also think, you know, as you kind of alluded to, tight end position is lacking. But I'll, I'll counter with one quick thing. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. 
you know, you look at gra- we showed a graphic a couple of weeks ago with the quarterback position, and some of the guys we were kind of discussing should be where they should be on the boards and top 12s and top 10s. And quarterbacks right now, that's the top five, top six. What do you really want to play right now? What are you happy with, even in the top five, top six? So I do think, you know, tight ends are getting a lot of scrutiny, but what should get a lot of scrutiny is offensive coordinators. You know, these teams are drafting these tight ends, they're drafting all these different players, and they're not utilizing them. What the hell? Why not? And I think that's the problem. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's not like these guys aren't athletic that we show they're on the graphic, but they're, they're not. Unless your name is Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews, you are not getting utilized as a tight end this year, period. You're just not. Uh, not really sure what the answer to that is because five years ago, six, seven years ago, that wasn't the case. Tight ends were getting utilized as the main feature of the weapon uh, in the offense. We haven't seen that over the past. I want to say a couple of years. It's really been going downhill as far as their overall and, usage goes. And Dan, just to kind of jump in real quick, that, Makes no sense. With we keep hearing about all these cover three defenses and how they're taking away the right. big, big play. You would think the tight end would be somebody you'd actually utilize in offenses, but that just shows you how stupid coaching is right now. Yeah, the seam in a cover three is open. That's the whole idea. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, he does come in at my tight end eight, so I'm locking him in as a tight end one two. He, he at least he's one of the guys he, he's like guaranteed to get five plus targets in a game. And yep, that's good enough. That's good enough for us right now when it comes to the tight end position. Yeah. And also one of the guys that guaranteed to get targets in the Pittsburgh offense, which you don't know who, who's going to targets, but tight end always does. Pat Vermouth gets his five to six targets. And he's going to probably be featured at least once or twice in the right zone. So you're taking that opportunity. And I'll, I'll throw this out here too. Here's an injury update for you. Uh, Deontay Johnson is still dealing with the hip issue. It doesn't sound like he's going to miss this week, but on the off chance that he does, more targets for Pat Fryermuth, more targets for George Pickens. I don't necessarily love the match against Baltimore, but someone's going to have to do something. Uh, and those are the only two guys that Kenny Pickett's been throwing the ball to outside of Deontay Johnson so far this season. So, yeah, you know, take it for what it's worth. Uh, let's move into our lookout for, though. Lookout for... He may not be a great thrower, but he will run all day long. Tyler Huntley, look out for him. He comes in my QB 12 this week because he will have a floor because he will run. And he gives you the upside of a rushing touchdown on top of it. Tyler, you could do a lot worse than Tyler Huntley this week. And I'm capping him off as a QB1 for week 14. Yeah, very impressive. I, I like Tyler Huntley this week. I do think he's somebody you can play in your lives. Um, I think that I caution his ceiling where he's going to run. You're absolutely right. It's going to be 40 to 60 yards. It's not going to be like 100 and 120. Um, he's going to you know, get you a rushing touchdown possibly, but he didn't have a lot of touchdowns. This offense isn't scoring a lot of points in general right now. Um, so I just kind of caution that I think he's got a great floor. I think he's a good player to have in your lineup. I just don't know if I love his upside as much because I think there's you no, know, maybe I'm not saying you don't love the upside either, but I think it, I worry about his upside a little bit because I think these offense is struggling. And last time he was out there, all those targets, Mark Andrews were awesome but he only had one touchdown pass in you know, three games. So I think that's kind of the time to keep him up. Yeah, but he had three rushing touchdowns. <laughs> that's why from a fantasy standpoint, you're just looking for a floor at Tyler Huntley. We're not looking for a big ceiling here. You're looking for a stopgap. And right now, that's good enough, especially this week, to get you a QB1 potentially. So he's one of my favorite pickups of the week as a result to that. Uh, look out for the running backs. We got a handful of names. And it's kind of a platoon, platoon by situation here. We got going on a little bit. Let's start off with the Kansas City Chiefs. Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. Pacheco coming in at my RB22. Jarek McKinnon coming in at RB27. It's not a great match against Denver, but again, because the opportunities for the Chiefs offense should be there, because it's not like Denver can do anything offensively in their own right. 
Pacheco has shown that he is getting some work now in the red zone on a pretty consistent basis, and he's scoring touchdowns over the past couple of weeks. Jarek McKinnon, we know what his role will be. I'm a little bit more worried about McKinnon because I don't know how much they're going to need him with the game script that could be expected in this game. But I do know Pacheco should be a top 24 player in your lineups this week. What do you think? I I have to agree because I think he could fall into the end zone, but I will say that this Chiefs offense, you know, it's going to be effective versus defense, but it isn't quite, you know, a juggernaut per se. And I think this game is going to be a little closer. I wouldn't hate on McKinnon this week. I think Denver is really good. You know, they're not top tier versus the run, but they're pretty good against the run. And offensively, what they do a good job of is just making it, grinding it out ugly. Denver doesn't get blown out very often. They keep the score very close. They keep it very low. And that's therefore, that's why I kind of worry about Pacheco is some of the upsides some of these guys might have because the game is closer and it's kind of a low-scoring game. That's a McKinnon involvement game because you're going to see a lot of pressure from Denver. So I think that's where I just kind of have a little caution. Pacheco, I love the touching opportunity. I love to kind of you know, talk about you know, what you have options as an RB1, RB2, but I do worry a little bit of the ceiling. Yeah, I worry about the ceiling on both these guys. And McKinnon, still, like I said, still coming at my RB27, still a guy you can consider in the flex position. Just a little... Just a little curious to see how this game script is going to, is going to go. It could go one of two ways. Either Denver's able to keep this mucky, like you've been pointing out, or or maybe the Chiefs do find a way to blow them out. It's it's going to be one of one of two ways. We'll see exactly what happens. Either way, I definitely think Pacheco, with his touchdown ability, especially he's shown over the past couple of weeks and his usage inside the red zone, keeps him as an RB2 and McKinnon as an RB3. Let's move on to, uh, well, I guess we could talk about Latavius Murray real quick, who does come in at my RB24, and this is pure pure volume. That's it. That's all it is. He's getting all the work. Even with Mike Boone back, Latavius Murray was still running just as many routes as Mike Boone was. We'll see if that ticks away at any capacity. But for now, Latavius Murray's volume keeps him as a low-end RB2 this week. You shut your eyes. You don't watch the game. And you just look at the box score at the end of it. It's like, okay, you did your job. Yeah, and it's not a bad matchup. I think that's why this game could be a little bit closer than you know, people expected because the Chiefs' defense is not good. Um, they ha- struggle against the run. They struggle getting pressure. So I think this game, you know, when it comes to Latavius Murray's involvement, what's crazy to me is he's been the most effective player at the running back position for this team somehow. Like, Latavius <laughs> yeah. Murray's so slow, but he's the only one who can get any yards out of the running game. So there you fall yeah. forward with the best of yeah. them. I mean, I think he does, and I think that's a result of that. You talked about the volume, and it's it's somehow, some way, it gets you something week in, week out. <laughs> so ugly, it's so ugly, but it works. It's so ugly, but it works. Uh, all right. So, what about the Bucks' backfield? Now, right now, I got Leonard Fournette ranked at RB twenty-five, one spot ahead of Rashad White at RB twenty. Six. Now, the reason they're both RB3s is, of course, the matchup against San Francisco, which is the best run defense by a mile compared to everybody else. So I don't really love it from that standpoint. Why is Fournette one spot ahead of Rashad White right now? Because he got more snaps than Rashad White did last week. Because this is, this is a full-blown two-man committee. That much has been proven. Yes, part of it had to do with White getting the fumble. But I just think, ultimately, we have a 50-50 split. And it's going to depend on who's getting hot and game flow as far as which one's going to get more snaps than the other. So, Leonard Fournette got it last week. He gets one spot ahead of Rashad White for me that this week. It's really that simple. But what do you what are you seeing with these two? Yeah, I don't want to touch this backfield this week if I can avoid doing so. I don't what know I if you're see... going to avoid it. That's the problem. Well, I think if you're looking to, you're looking for who's going to be the pass catcher in this backfield predominantly because this team. What I expect Tampa Bay to do is spread the spread the 49ers out and try to think of Duncan to death. 
I think that's what gonna, their only hope is that we're going to get rid of the ball, we're going to spread them out, and you're going to see the running backs. We've seen this earlier for Tampa Bay where they get six, seven carries the whole game, and it's about how many catches can you have. Right now, Rashad White's more explosive than Leonard Fournette with those catches, so I like White a little bit more because I think he's got more chance to actually do something. While Fournette just looks like he's running a quicksand out there. Yeah. <laughs> Rashad White definitely has more juice. There's no, there's no doubt about that. But uh, Leonard Fournette's not going away. <laughs> That's kind of the problem. No. <laughs> this whole thing. Um, the, but yeah. He's like Mark Ingram in the Orleans Saints backfield. I, I will say this. I do think most weeks we'll be talking about at least one of these guys, and not both these guys, as as, tw- as top 24 plays, as guys that you want to have in your, in your, in your lineup because they both get involved in the passing game. There is a floor for both of these guys. Would I prefer to see Rashad White take the lead because he definitely gives you more as far as explosiveness? Absolutely. But even if that's not the case, I think they're both at worst flex plays in your lineups. It's just the matchup on top of it this week is what hurts. But then, of course, the six teams on by makes them still viable plays, which is why, again, I say, I don't know if you can avoid these guys right now. I'll pull up this list again for you. Let's take a little look here. I have them right ahead of McKinnon and Akers and Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight and James Cook and Devin Sickles. All names are just like, and it's kind of what you're left with. Well, one of the names I do like more than Zonovan Knight, but I'm not a big fan of his per se, but I think his, you know, his opportunity this week is a little bit higher. I just think the problem for Tampa Bay right now is they're not scoring points. And and I like the flex options you're talking about. And I like them if they get back on track to a degree. But, you know, we look at the game of Cleveland a couple weeks ago. And you have a backfield like this, and you're thinking, I'm going to eat this week playing Cleveland. And you get, like, 13 points, and you're like, what the hell? So I think right now until the 49ers kind of show you what they're doing. No, 49ers, I'm sorry. Tampa Bay shows what you're doing, you know, week in, week out. This 49er matchup is a tough matchup. You watched you know, last week with the Dolphins was awful offensively. Tampa Bay – has not looked in close to the Dolphins have looked as, as this season. So I'm really worried that what it could be. Absolutely. Let's move it to the wide receivers. Look out for, look out for the Steeler wide receivers. So again, with Deontay Johnson, we're going to have to wait until tomorrow. We'll keep you up to date on social media at Philip MDFF show to find out what his practice availability is going to be. And if he's going to play, I do have him as a wide receiver three this week, just given the fact that he doesn't get any less than 11 targets. So there you go. Uh, George Pickens, though, continues to be the guy ranked ahead at wide receiver 22. I know he only had one catch last week, but the only person who can make a play downfield and get in the end zone in the passing game is George Pickens. So he's going to continue to be ranked ahead of, for, of Deontay Johnson for me. And in this week, somebody's going to have to make a play. I have I give him a puncher's chance getting a touchdown. makes him a low-end wide receiver, too, with six teams on by. So... I love Pickens particularly this week. I'm not sure if every week I'm going to love him moving forward, but there's some things, you know, you alluded to one, the matchup is a great matchup. The Ravens secondary has given up big play after big play this entire season. They continue to be banged up in the secondary. So they're having issues kind of containing people and that he's about all the guy receivers has a chance to kind of break one. He absolutely does. Um, but I think overall, we look at this, you know, Pittsburgh team, Mike Tomlin's comments about, you know, not being upset about Pickens complaining to me is kind of a, a covert way. We see this kind of happening, you know, the Jets, um, of I agree with you, and I wouldn't be surprised if also quarter is, is kind of forced to feature Pickens this yeah. week. So um, I, I love the squeaky wheel idea this week for Pickens, and I think that's why I also think he's definitely higher than Johnson. Well, I'll add this in, too. If Deontay Johnson does play, it's more likely that he'll get shadowed by Humphrey and just leave Pickens on the outside with you know some of the backup corners there to deal with. So I do have him as a top 24 wide receiver. Juju Smith-Schuster, we got to look out for him. The analysis with him is annoying because 
If you ask me what Chiefs receiver do I trust the most, it still has to be him. But he's going up against the Denver Broncos. He's going to see Pat Sertan at least 50% of the time, if not more. I don't know what to expect. Out of it. He comes to my wide receiver 26 is because he's Patrick Holmes' receiver to go to. But, man, I don't love the matchup here, and I wish I could avoid it if I could. I would have liked it a lot more if Tony wasn't going to be out there. I'm not sure if he's going to be playing for sure this week or not. No, he's been, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll have to practice. see. I mean, he is practicing, but I, I don't know what that, exactly that's going to mean. And the only reason I care about that is because I think, you know, you could Juju in a slot, you can get away from Sertan, and it helps Juju a lot. Because one of the things the Chiefs have done is move Juju all around the formations. So if they kind of are limited to where they can move him, particularly if it's stuck on the outside, then you're absolutely right. It's something you want no part of. But if he can get kind of moved around in the inside and kind of get opportunities to kind of get his linebackers, et cetera, then I think Juju's been, you know, as we've seen, been kind of chess piece for this offense. So I wouldn't, you know, other receivers you can probably trust. He's probably the one you're going to have a lot this week. That's why I still have him as a high-end wide receiver three, but ooh, it, it's a little bit of a brutal situation there. Here's what's also brutal. The Broncos receivers. <laughs> So it doesn't seem like Sutton's going to play. And I did kind of have him as wide receiver 32 right now. So that'll get updated like it always does on BellFantasySports.com throughout the weekend. Judy is at my wide receiver 31. Now I'm going to put this graphic up here. Even even when I take Cortland Sutton out of this thing, who am I moving Judy ahead of, Chris? Is it Deontay at 30? Is it Gabe Davis at 29? Is it Brandon Ayuk at 28? I don't know. I don't know that I will. I, I might just keep Judy at 31, even taking Sutton out. <laughs> I, I, I don't have words to describe the, 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 the taste that I have for the way Russell Wilson's on the football right now. Yeah, Russell Wilson is disgusting. The Denver offense is disgusting. I can't argue that out. But, you know, we know if we're see typically volume is king. And Jerry Judy is literally the only healthy receiver left standing. Literally. They're, they're converting their tight end to play slot receiver because they want him to be, they need receivers right now. So when it comes to if Judy can be out there and he has practice all week, he's going to see as much volume as you could possibly imagine, especially with no side. Now what it does with it, who knows, but the great part of it is you're playing the Chiefs. So if a shot, you have a lot of volume, a player playing the Chiefs, I'm going to probably have that in my lineup. What he does with it, who knows? That's the part that bothers me. Cortland Sutton, when Jerry Judy was out, was getting Double-digit targets on a pretty regular basis. It did not matter one iota. And that is the one thing that bothers me about Jerry Judy. That's why I probably will not move it. He's a wide receiver three, given the matchup and given the volume. You're absolutely right. I cannot move him up higher than that in, in any and have any respect for myself whatsoever as a ranker. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about Mike Evans. So I have Mike Evans as a wide receiver 24. I, I may look to try to move him down. I don't want to move him down. But I don't know what to do with this guy. He hasn't had 100 yards since week eight. He hasn't scored a touchdown since week four. And with Tom Brady not having any interest in holding on to the ball, Evans isn't getting targeted now over the past couple of weeks. It's not a bad matchup against San Francisco. And he does have a possibility to be a touchdown. But I can't can't judge what kind of volume he's going to get. So he's my wide receiver 24 for now. And that's more to do with... How do I not? If you were to ask me, Chris, a question on like, all right, do I start Mike Evans or Adam Thielen? Do I start Mike Evans or Juju Smith-Schuster? Do I start Mike Evans or Brandon Ayuk with with the situation right now with Brock Purdy? I can't tell you to not play Mike Evans over those guys. That's why I have him ranked there. But it's not a good situation. What's your take on this whole thing? 
Yeah, well, I, I did make that choice, and I had my comments on quite a few of my fantasy teams, and I did bench them last week because I, I am tired of watching since week two, week six, getting nothing. Tom Brady has no interest in throwing the ball outside you know, the hashes, and when he does, the problem that you're having right now is the guy who's cannibalizing him is Julio Jones. When Julio's healthy, it's like I can only throw five yards, you know, five passes down the down 15 yards on the field. So if Julio's going to get one or two of those, Mike Evans is totally screwed. And I think that's all you're seeing right now is like it's we can only throw the ball a certain amount of times on the field, and Julio's getting at least three to four of those. So that leaves Mike Evans as the guy who's pretty much optional to be involved in the offense. It's disgusting. It's something I've been complaining about the last few weeks because I cannot understand how Tom Brady's just wasting this guy but it's it's happening in front of our eyes it looks like Tom Brady's back in New England again and he can't throw outside the hashes and until that changes and it, and I'm 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 gonna say this real quick I'm so tired of hearing the pressure as the excuse of why Tom Brady can't throw the ball outside the hashes because there's a lot of guys who are seeing pressure and there's a lot of guys who still throw the ball outside the hashes so and he's not seeing the pressure rates people are you know imagining that he is he might be seeing a little bit of, of Sam Darnold's ghost out there right now because He's a little skittish, a little too fast because those throws, there were plenty of throws there last week that were open for him, including Mike Evans. He's just not pulling the trigger. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. No, I'm to- I totally agree. Uh, look out for Brain Ayuk. Again, I talked about him a little bit already. Wide receiver 28 Yes, he had nine targets last week. But the thing about Ayuk was that he's supposed to be the down-the-field threat. The guy gets a little bit like the 15 chunk yardage plays. I think right now you're looking at Brian Ayuk, and you're hoping Purdy gets him the ball in the end zone. Otherwise, you're looking at a lot of this dink and dunk stuff, and that's where I think he gets going to get beaten out by Debo Samuel with how this offense I am anticipating is going to work. So Brian Ayuk's still a wide receiver three, especially this week. But I do think he's the one who suffers a bit with Brock Purdy now under center. We had this conversation already, you know, I kind of just a little bit different with you. My, my counter would be, we saw Brandon, you kind of using that, you know, that role earlier in this season when Debo was hurt last year. Brandon, you did catch a lot of screen passes, was able to kind of make a lot of things happen after the catch. So he wasn't kind of just always a downfield guy. He evolved into that more as they kind of, you know, brought Debo back into the fold. And in what we talked about on other shows, foreigners struggle involving multiple receivers in their offense. Um, so I am, don't think that's going to necessarily change. I said I use where he kind of sits on the food chain. I think he's the, the early read in a lot of their RPOs. So that's why I'm kind of curious. Will Debo kind of steal that from him or will he continue to kind of be that guy? Because whether it was Trey Lance, whether it was Jimmy G, he's been that guy for the last this past year. There will be a lot to watch this week in Tampa Bay with that team. All right, let's go into our Be Cautious of. Be Cautious of. Be Cautious Kenny Pickett. Be cautious of Russell Wilson. Be cautious of Brock Purdy. I don't know if anybody's really trying to start him. And be cautious of Tom Brady. Now, it's a little bit weird 
because I have Brady ranked as my QB 15 or 14, excuse me. So for me to say to be cautious of a guy that I have ranked in the high end QB two range is not something I normally do, but this is a reflection of what we're dealing with this week. There's six teams on by There's a lot, a lot fewer options as a result to it. My point more here is that you need to get one of those top 12 guys. And one of those top 12 guys is available on the waiver wire. And try to stay away from the rest. That, that's more what I'm getting at with the be cautious of here. Brady, because he throws the ball 50 times, may have a floor. <laughs> that's all you can pin your hopes on. That's it. Otherwise, I don't want to have to play him if I can at all help it. You? 100% agree. Okay. So the other thing that I want to talk about a little bit here is the Ravens' backfield. Kenyon Drake comes in my RB 34. Gus Edwards comes in my RB 35. We don't know yet if we're going to see J.K. Dobbins. We'll find out more about that leading up into Friday and Saturday. But even if we don't, this backfield is so unpredictable in whose week it is and who they want to use. Just two weeks ago, Gus Edwards had 16 carries. Drake was nowhere to be found. Then last week, Drake has seven carries. Gus Edwards has six. Everyone's useless as a result. I just want to avoid this backfield if I can at all help it. Do you, do you see any value with my off base here? No, I think there's value if it ever emerges, but the problem you're also having is they're not effectively running the ball the last two weeks. So now it doesn't matter who's getting the carries. They all suck. So that's a, you know, add that caveat to the problem. And this Raven team can't seem to score touchdowns or points or move the ball consistently. I mean, this team's struggling to score 13 points right now. That's like Denver's offense right now. And that's what you have generally concerns about the running back. You talk about Latavius because it's only his backfield. You're splitting that Denver backfield, or you're not touching that backfield. Well, the Ravens are splitting it, and God knows what from you know week to week. So I don't want anybody in this backfield. Yeah, and uh, I just... that if you're going to take somebody, Gus Edwards has a chance to fall in the end zone because he's Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, avoid it if you if you can at all costs. Uh, the last guy, and this is going to be the last time I probably ever mention this player unless something drastically changes. But I did want to mention him because he was somebody who was on our streaming board at the position at one point, and that was Kate Otten at the tight end position. But apparently, Coquif has to get involved even when Cameron Brate's not available because he wasn't with an illness, and Kate Otten just not getting the target share he was for a couple of weeks there. Not really sure why, because he was performing decently, maybe because Julio's back, whatever the case may be, but he cannot be on your radar at the tight end position, period. Uh, I don't, and I don't think, you know, is there anything you have to add to that? Any disappointment there? Well, I mean, he had a big, he had a touchdown last week, but you know, I think anything could be on tight end radar. We talked about it earlier in the show. Yeah, well, that's valid. Uh, <laughs> let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side. We got three more games to talk about here on the Clairvoyant Thursday in the last regular season game of your fantasy football season. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt the couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. 
Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. And welcome back to the show, everybody. It's a clairvoyant Thursday on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Subscribe when you get a chance. Stay up to date with the show when you're on the go by downloading us on your favorite podcast app. And give us that five star review this is the second half preview of week 14 i know a lot of you are in do or die situations trying to fight your way into the playoffs this year you can be in more do or die situations in the playoffs in the playoffs it it is the time we prepare for all season long in fantasy football so make sure you're hitting us up on our social media accounts make sure you're checking our rankings out on billetfantasysports.com because it's going to be a busy season here. So as we get closer and closer to Christmas into the fantasy football playoffs, so it's a big week for this one. Chris, it's the only way we can get better is by trying to help these guys with their start sit decisions and any waiver wire pickups that we can possibly get, because you're not going to be able to make any trades. So let's figure out ways we can help them get better with these three matchups. We got the Panthers against the Seahawks. We got the Dolphins against the Chargers. And we got the Patriots against the Arizona Cardinals on Monday night. So let's get into the obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. So two is an obvious starter. He comes on my QB5. But I have to say this. Is he Dak Prescott? Does he need his left tackle in order to be any good? Because that's almost what it felt like watching him on Sunday. Is... The left tackle facing a Bosa, because then yes. Otherwise, they've shown you throughout the season they can might not be facing a Bosa, but it should be facing a Mac. Well, that's not that's not a Bosa. It's a whole different story. And I think that's the key <laughs> thing. I'm kind of making a point too. You know, we've seen this Buffalo team be able to kind of make do without Armstead and kind of hide, despite him being banged up this entire season. And that, it is one of their Achilles heels, but it, it is a problem. But you saw the 49ers really magnify that problem with because they have one of the all time you know, best guys that they have pass rushers right now uh, playing with for them, which the Chargers do not have. The other brother, Bosa, is currently injured for the Chargers. And Mac is not scary because Mac has six and a half sacks. He, Bosa almost had six and a half sacks by himself last week. So I <laughs> definitely think this is a different matchup. No, I, I agree. I, I will say that you're, you're playing two against the Chargers, and this could be a high-scoring game. I, I think that that's why it's an obvious starter. But the one thing that stuck out to me, it seemed like Tua had happy feet before that game even started, as if he was anticipating the pass rush before it ever even got there. And I think that has to worry you a little bit when you're looking at a guy who's going to be playing some really important games coming up on the schedule, and you're going to be leaning on him for your fantasy football playoffs most likely. You can't be having a guy who shrinks in the spotlight, and that's almost what it felt like to me last Sunday. 
Oh, I think there's two things. Now, I do think there was some shrinking, and that was disappointing to see. I think he can still learn from the guy, still a young guy. But what I think you also saw was the happy feet maybe came also that the, a lot of the things that he's used to seeing or having open were being taken away because the other team knows your playbook. They know what you're looking for. They know what your hot routes are. And the Tua is a very rhythm, at, rhythm passer. But the 49ers basically did right off the bat was destroy that rhythm. And as a result, you saw the pressure and the problems that it kind of occurs. The Dolphins can only kind of get away from, you know, around the arm set issue or the pressure issues with the offensive line that's not very good if they can get the timing going. See, this is Cincinnati. Cincinnati gets your timing going, you can't stop them. But if you disrupt that timing, then it's a whole different story. It can get ugly real quick. So that's where the whole different story for myself is the 49ers were able to disrupt the timing and probably from the get because they knew what was coming a lot of the times and they were kind of taking away the, the throws that he's used to being able to make. Yeah, no, all all fair there, there too. It'll be something else to watch. Uh, also, my obvious start is the quarterback position for these matchups, Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray. Both guys might have a, a good amount of healthy weapons. It looks like Murray will have Marquise Brown, DeAndre Hopkins yet again. We still don't know about Rondale Moore, but Justin Herbert, Mike Williams practicing full today. So it sounds like he's actually going to have a Keenan Allen and a Mike Williams on the field at the same time. Yeah, Justin Herbert, I like he's been trending up. You know, as long as he has weapons, he can continue to throw the ball around. You know what you're, you're supporting about is the big play opportunities because they're not throwing the ball down the field. Kyler has had weapons throughout the year. Sometimes they're healthy, sometimes they're not healthy. They can't score more than 23 points right now. So until I see that happen, I don't care who's healthy right now because they've had Hopkins. They've had Marquise Brown. They've had different players, and they still can't consistently score points. So hopefully that changes possibly this week. Kyler has a good floor as a result because they can scramble around and make something happen at the very end of the game as well. But I do think, you know, we haven't seen the ceiling need one Kyler yet. We're obviously starting Austin Eckler at the RB3 position, even when he has to split carries with Joshua Kelly. He's still basically a wide receiver out there. I don't think that changes just because Mike Williams is back. And then we have Kenneth Walker. Now, he's still in practice again today. We're waiting to see if he does anything tomorrow. If he doesn't go, the other issue you're having is that DJ Dallas has also been out and not practicing, so he may not be able to go. This thing might be down to Travis Homer and Tony Jones. My synopsis here, if Kenneth Walker is playing, you play him. Otherwise, I'm not touching Seattle's backfield because I don't care if it's going to be a committee no matter what the situation is going to be. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think that if you're desperate and there are some situations where like, I'm in a league that I have to be desperate. Um, so Travis Homer might be the guy you're looking at of the two. Jones wasn't, hasn't been very effective. He wasn't very effective in the world. That's why he got cut. Um, and if you look at what him in Seattle, he hasn't been very good so far. Homer knows his offense. He's been utilized in the pass catcher. And I think when you look at his offense, they're going to lean more on the passing attack. Homer fits that role. So I think as long as he's a healthy guy, I think he's the one I'd pick. I'm going to pick him out of this shit. <laughs> Ramondre Stevenson does come in as an obvious starter for me. It comes in my RB6 this week because, again, we're not anticipating a Damian Harris, and it's a much better match against Arizona than it was for them last week against the Buffalo Bills. I think you'll see a lot more success. And right now, the Patriots only know how to get Ramondre Stevenson the ball and nothing else offensively. We may not even have Jacoby Myers in this game either because he has not practiced yet. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. firing up Ramondre Stevenson. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, it might be like Najee Harris type of numbers where you're not getting a whole lot of, you know, extra bang for your buck, but you're getting the volume. that You're, you're getting you're like 30 touches. On. Yeah, you're hoping he does fall in the end zone. One of the good things you do have trending for you is whether Arizona's offense is kind of going to be back or not, I don't know, but that defense is definitely trending in the wrong direction, and you can run on that defense. So I think the Patriots can kind of get right in a lot of ways with Ramondre Stevenson. Yep, 100% agree. Tyree Kill, an obvious starter, coming to my wide receiver three this week. Just a side note, he didn't practice today due to an illness, 
And that has been a little bit more alarming over the past few weeks with players than it would be in the past. I mean, usually here at illness, they're like, all right, give him a couple of days. He'll be fine. We've seen actually players miss games lately due to illness because of how rampant and how strong the flu season has been. So this is something we'll, is worth keeping an eye on. As long as he's good to go, he'll be out there. But we, we actually have to keep an eye on the situation. So just kind of keep that in mind. Uh, let's move into our lock them in players, though, while we while we're here. If I can ever find this drop. Here we lock them in. It's a lock. What's a lock? What's a, what's a lock? Geno Smith is a lock at QB9. If they don't have Kenneth Walker, and even if they do, he's still a lock for me in the top 10 quarterback. But if they don't have Kenneth Walker, they're going to have to lean on the passing game against Carolina, I think, to move the ball. Because regardless of what you have coming out of Travis Homer or whatever committee situation they try to put themselves in, I think Kenneth Walker, this running game has not been effective, no matter who's been back there. They're going to have to move the ball through the air. I believe you can do that against Carolina pretty effectively, especially with them being banged up in the secondary right now as it is. We saw what happened last week when Kenneth Walker went out. It was all Tyler Hockett, Tyler Lockett, excuse me, and all DK Metcalf. So, yeah, I'm firing up Geno Smith as a top 10 quarterback this week. What about you? Yeah, I agree with you. You talked about you know, the limited options that we had. Geno's been a top 10 quarterback week in, week out. Why would that change versus Carolina? Yep, 100% agree. Locking in Donta Foreman, who did come back and practice today as an RB17 because Seattle is the new Houston over the past month as far as giving up rushing yards. So locking in him, we know that as long as he's out there, he will lead this backfield over Chuba Hubbard. Hubbard might get involved. That's fine. Donta Foreman, I think, will find 100 yards again this week. In locking him in as an RB17, I may move him up even higher than that as we get closer to Sunday. Yeah, three games over 100 yards, and he's been a starter. He's, he's been done well against some of the type of defense. We talked about Denver earlier and how they go to get run. He's even effective versus them. Foreman is the identity in offense, and as he alluded to, Seattle cannot stop the run, so you're excited. You're thinking about Josh Jacobs' numbers. I don't think you're going to get those, but, hey, half of those, you're still so excited. Exactly. James Conner gets locked in as an RB21 for me. He is a low-end RB2. It may not be pretty, but and, and, and New England has given up the second least amount of points to running backs. I should mention that. But James Conner gets all the volume all the time. And he also can fall into the end zone like he did against San Francisco. So you're locking him in as an RB2. Guy, okay, I see you making all kinds of faces over there. I I mean, I, I hear you because I have to, like, you know, understand the, the choices. I just, well, I'll just comment that I love to play Latavius Murray this week. <laughs> I, I would play James Conner over Latavius Murray this week. He's got more upside to score. So I, I do have him three spots ahead of Latavius Murray. So we will be different. We will be different there. But uh, ultimately, this comes down to the same thing. It's workhorse, possibly to fall in the end zone. That's pretty much what it boils down to. Uh, let's move into our wide receivers, our lock them in wide receivers. I actually have confidence in DJ Moore finishing as a top 20 wide receiver this week. I got him at wide receiver 18. Games without Baker Mayfield this year, week six through eight, he was the wide receiver nine. And then week 12, he was the wide receiver nine. As long as with Baker Mayfield, weeks one through five, wide receiver 47. As long as Baker is not the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers, DJ Moore goes back to being a good wide receiver too. And I know everybody's like worried about this match against Seattle because they've been pretty decent against the wide receivers. Sam Donald's going to pepper DJ Moore. I don't think it's going to matter in this situation. And they move him all around the formation. You can't take advantage of them in the slot position. I think DJ Moore is going to be a top 20 play. What do you think? 
Yeah, argue strong. I think that's a good idea. I mean, to me, this Carolina offense is basically the poor man's version of the Raiders offense. They streamed it down, streamed it down, and they, they featured two guys, and that's all they really do. And that's what they're going to do for Seattle. That worked really well against for the Raiders. Why wouldn't it work well for Seattle? I mean, at the same capacity they talked about, but you still got to get the numbers you're hoping for. Uh, we're locking in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And I already kind of talked about that with the Geno Smith analysis. Wide receivers 11 and wide receiver 12 for DK. I'll stop the score that way. You can see the graphic there. Uh, I don't think there's really much else to say. They're going to get the volume, and that's why I'm locking in as low in wide receiver once. Now, Jalen Waddle, who I do have as a wide receiver nine, dealing with the injury. If you missed the show yesterday, again, I, I encourage you to go back and watch it or listen to it. But I will reiterate, Brian Scott talking about not overly concerned about Jalen Waddle's availability heading into this week. So we do expect him to be out there, and he's been a top 10 receiver for most of this year. Do you have any concerns about his ceiling this week? No, I love this ceiling. They're playing the Chargers. Yeah, 100%. Just and, and can I, I, can I, can I, if you're worried about his injury at all or not. No, I want to comment on these two teams that we just talked about, the Seattle Dolphins. I want to give the coaching staff Do credit it. for actually utilizing their talent, their receivers, and actually making sure they feature them week in, week out, unlike most of these coaching staffs. Yep, 100% agree with you there. I'm locking in Keenan Allen as a wide receiver 15 this week. Even when Mike Williams back, I really don't care. Keenan Allen is getting healthier. You can see it on the field physically getting healthier. Again, good matchup. Could be a potentially high-scoring game, believe it or not, with this one. So, yeah, I like Keenan Allen. Fire him up as a wide receiver, too. Justin Herbert, as you alluded to, has been trending up since he's gotten his weapons back. There's no reason not to lock into him. But let's talk about a guy I want to highlight here a little bit, and that's DeAndre Hopkins. This might shock some people. So I have Hopkins all the way down my wide receiver 13. I don't have him inside my top 12 this week. Partly is due to the matchup. You know, New England, for the season, eighth fewest points against the wide receiver position. They tend to try to take away the number one option of the opposing team. Now, how effective that'll be and how effective it's been over the past few weeks, that, that leaves some wiggle room here for DeAndre Hopkins, no doubt about it. I will say this, though. The first game back with Marquise Brown, and Brown had eight targets compared to Hopkins' six. Now, Hopkins is still a more productive wide receiver, and I'm not saying that's the end-all, be-all, but... I do think it's enough where I have a little bit concern over the ceiling of DeAndre Hopkins and have more of the high-end wide receiver, too, rather than cracking my top 12 this week. Chris, what do you think about that? I'm going to differentiate. I think what you saw last week is more the result of DeAndre Hopkins not really being totally healthy and wasn't necessarily going to play quarter play. And they were trying to get their, all their heads up, hands on deck and one last kind of push for the offense. It didn't necessarily pan out for him. I think that, you know, you saw him back the last two weeks. I think he's getting healthier. He's been practicing all week long. So I think hopefully DeAndre Hopkins is the alpha in this passing attack. Marquise Brown doesn't scare me. I like Hopkins. I will say this. Since Hopkins' return, he has been the wide receiver four overall. All right, let's talk. Oh, yeah, here we go. We got to lock him in tight end, Chris. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and show you some real cojones here and give you Gerald Everett as my tight end five. Even with Mike Williams coming back, I do not care. This is a great matchup. And, uh, well, frankly, there's not too many other good options to go with this week. So that's right. Gerald Everett, lock him in as a tight end five. Y'all can at me when he does nothing and get pissy with me. Like, all the other tight ends haven't sucked outside of Kelsey and Andrews anyway. Uh, I don't know. You got any thoughts about Gerald Everett there? Yeah, that's uh, I kind of what you're doing too. Uh, Gerald Everett's been that guy that everybody tries to hit all week, week, and it's like every time you think it's this week, he sucks, and then the week he doesn't, you want to get him back in your lineups, and it's just like he's never can hit when you're supposed to. So just, just leave him in the lineup. It, it, unless you have like an awesome, just leave him there. 
my concern is every time it seems like a great matchup, it's when he just shits the bricks. Like it's a six to one guarantee. So that's why like I worry for it. I, I, yeah, I don't know who else you're going to go with, though. That, 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 he's been involved in the offense more times than not. All right, Harden has returned to practice, by the way. Just cut that out there. But, uh, well, he, he, yes, the 21 the day window got activated on him, but he's not expected, yeah, at least from what I understand, he's not expected to play this week. Uh, so we'll have to wait so. and see how that, how that comes out. Uh, let's move to our lookout for. Lookout for. Believe it or not, I actually have Chuba Hubbard as my RB36 this week. And like I alluded to earlier, I do think he will be involved to some degree. He can have the ability to hit the big play. Seattle such a juicy matchup. He's an emergency, desperate flex for me this week. That's pretty much what it boils down to. Yeah, like super desperate. <laughs> he did have 17 carries at Dante Foreman's 21 the last time we saw these guys a couple weeks ago. He did. I. One of the things I'm going to think is going to be a little bit different is I think Seattle could score a little more points than the opponent that they were facing a couple of weeks ago. So that's the difference. I think Seattle can actually put points on play. That's valid. We'll have to see. Let's try to figure out the Dolphins' backfield for a split second because that was weird last week. Now, now clearly, the running game was not part of the game plan at all against San Francisco because combined, they only had eight carries. Jeff Wilson, for the first time, though, since becoming a Dolphin, had played behind Raheem Mostert. That had not been the case up until this point. And so I have Mostert at RB20 this week and Jeff Wilson at RB23. Point here more is that you can play both against the Chargers, and I have them both inside my top 24 as RB2s. I do think the running game against the Chargers will be back involved as part of the game plan when it wasn't with San Francisco. So that's first and foremost. I didn't hear anything about an injury for Jeff Wilson at all. So I don't think it was that it was due to that. But Chris, do you have any confidence like I do to make these guys RB twos to this week when they a kind of a desperate week when you have this many teams on by when it was such a great match against the Chargers? I'm more inclined to throw a second one of these backs into my backfield than your, your previous pick, but I do have concerns. This offense running attack has been not good most of the year. And the last time they were actually good with Cleveland, that was a few weeks ago. We haven't, you know, last week was you know, atrocious, but we haven't really seen running attack be efficient. It's not a good path for running blocking the offensive line. This isn't your classical, like, you know, West Coast offense, a great running attack. They're built around their passing attack. Now, what gives you excitement is the Charger matchup. So I do think there's some value to be there. And that's where I think there's, you know, you can play both of them if you're really desperate. I'd, I'd try to pick one, who that one is. I defer to you, Dan, because I don't know, because I look at it and, like, I look at Jeff Wilson Jr. as the guy who I would probably trust more in a pass-catching situation, but we see Mostert be used just because just sometimes, so I don't know necessarily what to kind of look for for this game. I think I trust Jeff Wilson Jr. the most because I think that's just, you know, overall he's the talent, the skill set fits all three you know, downs, but well, well, look, I, I took it. I kind of use this as the same way I ranked the Buccaneers backfield. Moster outsnapped Jeff Wilson 28 to 17 last week. So he gets a little bit of a nod for me this week. However, I don't think this is a desperate flex play th- this week when you're talking about the Los Angeles Chargers, because what you have here is a situation where we should have a high scoring game between these two teams and they do get red zone looks. Both Moster and Jeff Wilson have scored in the same games before. They will get those <coughs> opportunities. So for that reason, I'm confident playing them in a week in which there's not a lot of options to begin with inside the top 24. But I, I do have Mostert ranked a few spots ahead of Jeff Wilson, but it's negligible. 
uh, look out for wide receivers. So Mike Williams, he's not reflected yet in my rankings. The fact that he practiced in full today, I have not had a chance to do that because he did practice in full and they're going against the Miami Dolphins. He will probably crack my top 36. So we will at least be looking at him in a flex capacity, but Chris, where's your confidence level on a guy that the last time we saw him left in the first quarter. Other than it's six teams on by zilch. I trust my Williams not at all. I don't just want to trust my Williams. I don't trust this coaching staff right now. I have no idea what they're doing offensively. They have no aggression down the field. And the last time we saw Mike Williams on the field, he's only used down the field. So if they're not throwing it down the field, what Mike Williams is just going to be. Yeah. This is valid. Uh, I do think you have to take the shot on him because we know at least this time around, I have a little more confidence when it comes to his health because he is practicing in full leading into the game instead of it feeling like they're pushing him too early. Uh, and I do think that makes a big difference, especially, again, a game I'm expecting a high point total. Uh, and that's what we're going to target here for this week. What about Marquise Brown? He comes in for me at wide receiver 23. And again, I was impressed with the fact that he had eight targets his first week back. What his rotation and his week in, week out ability is going to be with DeAndre Hopkins remains to be seen. But it's leaning more and more towards like we're not going to see Rondale more. And as a result of that, I think we'll see some target consolidation around those two. He comes in as a top 24 wide receiver for me this week. What do you think? I totally agree. I love the matchup. His speed's going to be a problem for this Patriot defense. The Patriot defense has not been good the last few weeks. You know, the legendary genius of, of Belichick's defensive guru has not been showing through, and they've been getting lit up. You know, it's Matt Stuck taking away your best player. What would Jefferson do to that? What did Diggs do that? So I don't know if the Patriots are the same team they have been, and I think even if they try to take away the best player, you're seeing Marquise Brown's going to eat up that secondary quarter, second quarter, because they don't have one on the Patriots right now. I love the matchup for them this week. There you go. That's going to be the Monday night game. Let's get to our be cautious of. Be cautious of. You're not playing Sam Darnold, right, everybody? Okay, good. Uh, Jacoby Myers, we don't know if he's going to play, and I did have him at wide receiver 36 anyway. So regardless, I don't know how much I want to play him this week. Watching Matt Patricia call plays is watching a high school offense out there on the field. It's dreadful. And the whole note on Jacoby Myers has always been, well, he's got a safe full point PPR floor. I don't even know if he has that anymore. They don't know what receiver they want to get involved any given week to begin with. I wouldn't play Jacoby Myers, even if he is activated for this game. What do you think? Well, I think part of that, Dan, to be, you know, clarify is that he was getting the alpha targets and he was the most consistent target until he got injured. And since he got injured, he wasn't in that Thanksgiving game, for example, he was only playing on third quarter, you know, third downs towards the second half of the game. He wasn't playing the full game. So you've seen him getting used less and less because he's not healthy. He hurt his shoulder again this week, so he's probably not going to play. I doubt he'll be out there at all. And I would have had confidence if he was out there, but because he's not and not healthy, I have no confidence. And as you alluded to, I don't know what else to pick in this passing attack because God knows what pitchers are going to be week to week. And Matt Patricia is a joke. Yeah, agreed. And on the other side of that, I got Rondell Moore. If he does play right now at wide receiver 44, and this is a matter of we don't know how healthy he is, what his target share is going to be with both the other guys out there on the field. This is a wait-and-see situation for me. Not necessarily that he can't do anything, but this is a wait-and-see situation for me ideally. So I would not want to play Rondell Moore even if he's activated. I also don't want to play Noah Fant. I also want to play Mike Isecki, and I also don't want to play Trey McBride. I know Noah Fant, you know, over the past few weeks, people have pointed out, oh, he's got a touchdown. He's starting to get utilized a little bit more. Yeah, fine. 
that's that's a spell. That's that's no offense. Entire career, he has two three games where he does something and he disappears again. I'm not touching it with the ten foot pole. I'm out on all three of those tight ends. Any comments with those guys? The tight ends, absolutely not. I mean, I agree with you. You of the guys that you're not, you know, we're taking leaps for. Noah Fant's not one of those guys you're taking a leap for. And people just get off the Noah Fant thing. We we've listened to this three or four years now. Exactly. All right, let's go into our mailbag segment. The mail's here. As always, if you want to get on the mailbag, it's real simple. Just hit us up on social media at Show. We answer every question that comes our way. I take a few of our favorite ones and I put it on here. Uh, so our first one is S. Taylor, Marquise Brown, or Devonta Smith, rest of season, which I thought was a very interesting question. I'm leaning towards Marquise Brown, but I do think his target share on a consistent week-in, week-out basis will be a little bit higher than Devonta Smith's when Dallas Goddard returns in week 15. Yeah, I'm going to bank on that. Kyler Murray's best friend is Marquise Brown. They went to college together. He's going to look for him. And they, Arizona has to justify the trade for him. So Marquise Brown is the guy I trust the most moving forward as well. Uh, Mailo 11, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Should I start Foreman ahead of Etienne or James Conner? Now, I wouldn't start him ahead of Travis Etienne because even if, whether Trevor Lawrence plays or not, they're going to have to lean on him to generate the offense. But I would play Dante Foreman over James Conner this week. How about you? I would definitely play more James Conner. I think I kind of alluded to that earlier in the show. The ETM was very interesting for me. You know, Tennessee's been pretty good now. They weren't good against the Eagles necessarily, but they weren't good against anything against the Eagles. Um, but they're pretty good against the running back position typically. They're eighth, I think, against the running back position. ETN hasn't necessarily been as explosive since he got his bank up a couple weeks ago, not scoring as much as you like to see. Detroit matchup should have been a smash spot for him. He didn't really smash in that spot. So I love Foreman because the Seattle matchup is a great matchup, and you know he's going to get plenty of touches. All right. And our last question, Roger 11, who should I drop, Rashad White or Cordell Patterson? If you have to choose between them, first of all, I would say there's got to be somebody else you can drop. But if you have to choose between those two players to drop, I would lean Cordell or Patterson. I still think there's a pathway here for Rashad White to take over this backfield. They finally get tired of Leonard Fournette or if he gets banged up again. Cordell Patterson, no matter what happens, even though he should be leading the way, if it's not Tyler Algier, it'll be Caleb Huntley. If it's not Caleb Huntley, it'll be Avery Williams. So you know what? Out of the two, I would have to drop Patterson probably for me. What do you think? I'm tired of leaning towards that direction, especially with the coaching, you know, the quarterback change that's going to happen this week. I think that you might see Atlanta kind of go younger. Maybe they play some Algier more than play the Huntley more. You, know, you see Patterson not as involved. So I do have some concerns, especially with that younger quarterback. I know Patterson needs to be very explosive. But with the young guy out there, I don't think you're going to see Atlanta necessarily. So I trust the guy who I've seen. And Tampa Bay, you're just waiting for the light bulb to kind of go off at some point. If it goes off at any point, it's the offense will kind of click back and suddenly Rashad West would be awesome to have. Yeah, I mean, I, I I just want the light bulb to go off and the fact that Rashad White's the better running back. I don't really have hope for the offense getting a light bulb to go off at this point in the season, but we're on the same page there. That does it for the show, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you're downloading us on your favorite podcast app and make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube channel. Follow us on social media, especially tomorrow because we'll be going through all the inactives and we'll be back tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern with the Cashing Friday show. We go over our DFS tournaments and, of course, our lock bets of the week with Chaz Flaherty from Wake and Bake will be joining the show, too. Chris, what do you got coming up on uh, Tuesday night? Yeah, we'll be continuing to give you some of our ideas, what you should be doing as you hit the playoff stretch, as you talked about. 
you know, is there guys that you can kind of add to your roster before you hit the playoffs? Is there some waiver last moves you can make? So we'll be covering that and trying to get you ready for the playoffs. As, you, as, as Dan took to, it's such time. Now it's got to make your moves so you're going to make them. Be smart. We'll have some more playoff strategies for you guys next week as well. Everybody have a lovely evening. We'll see you guys tomorrow night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design.